Hello, and welcome to Media Mavens. It's been a while. This is episode 63. I'm Pam, and with me today is not Riley, but returning guest Sarah. Hello, Sarah. I wish I was Riley. That would be awesome. Then I'd be in South Korea, having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be good. So... As Sarah said, Riley's still in South Korea, 13 hours ahead, behind, I don't really remember. So Sarah has been on the show multiple times before. If you're a longtime listener, you might remember her from episodes such as Stranger Things, Alien, and Blade Runner. Oh, that's funny. I forgot we had done the Stranger Things episode because I was telling a friend I was recording this this weekend and telling him about our Alien and Blade Runner escapades, but I I forgot about the first one. Mm -hmm. I have to go back and listen to my own my own episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I actually forgot that too because I was thinking that you we had only talked about movies yep. together. But yes. Uh, so it has been a long time since there was a an episode. So today we're just going to talk about sort of all of the 2018 things we haven't had a chance to talk to. Sounds good to me. Yeah. I, I personally have missed having your podcast. So... Uh, Hopefully when I listen to myself on the way to work next week or whenever this comes out, <laughs> it'll have the same effect. <laughs> Hopefully. Or just the recording it could have. The yes, true. Very good. <laughs> yes. All right. So what do we want to start with? You want to start with movies? Let's go sure. movies. I, uh, so it's funny. I, in 2017, I saw like 35 movies. I, uh, I was wow. Dating a filmmaker, <laughs> so all we did was go to the movies. I, I I think we went to the movies three times a week. Um, I saw a ton of movies. So in 2018, um, because I moved away, and <laughs> I mean, not that this sounds so depressing, my <laughs> my relationship fell apart. Um, but I didn't see as many movies, so I only saw like six or seven movies that came out this year, which is is very strange for me. Um, mm-hmm. But the ones I saw were actually mostly pretty good. Chief among them being sorry to bother you. Now, did you did you happen to catch that one? No, I still need to watch that one. You definitely do. Uh, it's worth seeing, especially in our in this uh, you know neo fascist political climate we're suffering under these days. Uh, sorry to bother you was was just a breath of fresh air. Um, Boots Riley is an amazing filmmaker, and uh, it's funny. It's weird. You'll laugh. You'll cry. Uh, <laughs> you'll want to. Seize the means of production. Mm. Um, I just make sure. I mean, it's probably past the point of spoilers, but go in with no spoilers because it's big twists at the end. But it's it's uh, it really made me feel good about movies with a message again, basically. Oh well, that's yeah. good. Yeah, it made me really happy. All right. So one of the movies that I watched was A Simple Favor, which is with Blake Lively and. Oh, what's your name? The the girl from the shit. <laughs> Anna from, Kendrick. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I was like, how am I going to get there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you seen it? No, I I it's funny I've never even heard of it and I'm I love both those actresses, so It's about uh, Anna Kendrick is like this mommy blogger and she's like a super keener and she wants to be on the PTA, but all the other parents kind of hate her because of how annoyingly perfect she is. And she meets Blake Lively, who is the mother of someone her son goes to school with. And Blake Lively is like, you know, 
hot and fashionable and gives no fucks and just sort of about the relationship that they develop and then something mysterious happens. That sounds awesome. It is. It's pretty good. I found it a little bit predictable in the end. Like I was kind of hoping that the story would go like super dark, but it didn't go that way. But it had uh, Blake Lively in a suit and Blake Lively in a tux. So great. Yes, (laughs) sign me up. (laughs) Yeah, she. You know, I think she's actually a super underrated actress. I think. I think people don't give Blake Lively her due because I mean, once you're on a teen show for like six years, I think you're you kind of write your own. Uh, you know, obituary yeah. or whatever. But um, I watched, it didn't come out in 2018, but I watched The Shallows, uh, which was her um, stuck on a rock with a shark <laughs> movie. Oh. <laughs> um, and it was just her for 99% of the movie. And oh. she carried it. Uh, I wasn't bored. I didn't hate it. Um, I mean, it's a goofy, like, how to survive a shark attack in seven days <laughs> movie. But it was it was actually really good. Like, I like her a lot. That actually sounds like a movie that I would watch. Actually, you would like it. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure I would. She, t- she talks to a seagull for a little bit. It's like quite funny. Oh. Yeah. It's like Castaway. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. With a shark. Awesome. Except with, with Blake Lively, who mm-hmm. I much, much prefer to Tom Hanks, if we're being honest. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm just going to skip to another one, just because we're on the shark topic. I yep. also watched The Meg. What's your verdict? I didn't like it. No, no. I was, I was disappointed. I felt it either needed a bigger budget or it needed to be sillier. That's too bad. I feel like those two things were are sort of deal breakers for those kinds of movies. Exactly, yeah, because it ended up being like a disaster movie, and I love disaster movies, but it was just like it never went far enough like it never got ridiculous at one point the shark was chasing a boat and there was like helicopters in the air and i was like this shark better like jump out of the water and eat a helicopter and and it never did and i was like all right that's that's like a two out of ten yeah it's no good yeah it had a decent cast but like uh yeah it just it didn't go go silly enough or or big enough i think um you should write your own disaster script or at least <laughs> I'm serious or at least outline some ideas. Um, I'm, I'm very into how to making people write their own movies if they don't like what they see. So <laughs> just think about it. Keep, keep, maybe keep a journal. Think about what you'd want in your disaster movie. I think right. shark, shark jumping out of the water to eat a helicopter is like, that's a primo idea. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Right. Um, speaking of disaster movies, I think maybe the worst absolute worst movie i saw this year for sure was jurassic world fallen kingdom did you oh no i okay i don't mm. i would not even watch it it's so bad um it that so it's funny because it's it's a disaster dinosaur movie but comparing i want to compare it to sorry to bother you because (laughs) the message i'm sorry there's gonna be spoilers here although i say i don't think it matters um the message of jurassic world fallen kingdom is that that buying dinosaurs for war is bad <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, and like it but not i mean that's i think what the mess intended message was but like it's just so it's so bad so <laughs> just the climax of the film is like a, a big auction of dinosaurs to rich old white guys and like chechen warlords and shit and oh. the dinosaurs <laughs> eat them all like that's the joke so, huh. 
war is bad and like don't get eaten by dinosaurs <laughs> I don't I know. See. Just the movie had no plot. The actors, uh, Pratt and, um, oh, sorry, Bryce Dallas Howard, of course, who I actually really like. I find her to be quite good, but they both dialed it in a hundred percent. They, they, it looks like they were on set for maybe three or four days. They mm-hmm. were just, you know, there to, to cash the paycheck, which fair enough. Like, I don't, you know, I, I don't show up to work every day super eager to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. but like, you're in a movie. <laughs> At mm-hmm. least pretend that you care. Yeah. Yeah, they, it was, it was, oh my god, it actually was heartbreakingly bad. I, I don't, yeah. Yeah, depressing. I never, I, I love the original Jurassic Park so much, and I can even get by all some of the silliness in like two and three and still, you know, can watch those, but the new Jurassic World. Oh, you didn't, you didn't even like the first I one? I didn't like that one at all. Oh, well, so. you'll hate this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do not watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's too bad. Okay, when we both saw uh, Venom, I just watched that in the last couple of weeks. It's funny that that's the only movie we both saw. I know. Because, although I suppose <laughs> it was one of the biggest hyped releases of the year, mm-hmm. which I think um, is why it kind of landed a little flat for me. Hmm. What was your... Did you love it? I thought it was... All right, because I because I just watched it recently, so the critics were pretty down on it. So the expectations were pretty low going into it. But at first, I wasn't quite sure, and then I just sort of started appreciating the campiness mm-hmm. of it. For me, going into it, I had seen like um, all of the. Uh, okay, I don't know if people know about this, but <laughs> on Tumblr, everyone. Um, ships eddie and his monster like mm-hmm. as if they're in a sexual romantic relationship <laughs> um and, and so you can't avoid it like if you were on tumblr you are seeing graphically drawn well, <laughs> not no longer since tumblr no longer allows graphic nudity but i'm serious graphically drawn sexual images of eddie brock and his slime man <laughs> um and or non-sexual funny cute things mm-hmm. um so <laughs> that's that was my image going into the movie <laughs> like it was very strange um and and granted uh you know in fairness to those people the relationship between him and the slime monster was for sure the best part I of think the movie the best part of the movie yeah. yeah 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 so the action was not bad i wasn't i don't know it's it's hard to impress me these days i think with just fighting i like a good car chase the car chase was not too bad yeah. Yeah. I I find that as well. Like I I mean it's easy enough to entertain me mm. and I'm I'm fine with just shutting my brain off and watching some people fight each other. Mm. But like I don't know. It was it was better. Like I liked Venom more than Avengers whatever oh, Infinity. Extremely War. same. Extremely <laughs> same. Yeah. Then I was going to say. So the other thing I did like was I like Tom Hardy as a comedic actor and I wish they let him do comedy because I think mm-hmm. he's really funny. Yeah. Um, he was, he was just like, as like a kind of a quiet, you know, funny guy. Like I just thought it was great. I didn't, I thought the framing as him being like a vice style man on the man <laughs> on the scene reporter was like, okay, fine. Um, but then when he didn't have to be that guy and he wasn't fighting, he was like cute and funny. Mm-hmm. Give, me, give me movies with him being cute and funny. Yeah. Although he's probably not. 
he probably wants to do serious films, but probably. Uh, yeah. Are they, do you know if they're coming out with more Venom films? I'm not sure. I, th- I think they. I suspect they might be. I think it made an assload of money. So. Yeah, I think I think it did. I think they all do. So <laughs> it's, it's true they all do now. Um, I was actually speaking of movies that made a lot of money. I was surprised to hear that Creed Two, which was another one of my favorite movies of the year, made huge amounts of money because I didn't really hear anyone talking about it. But damn, that movie was great. I I if you like Rocky movies, it was so touching and so good. And uh, Michael B. Jordan is is a goddamn saint, and <laughs> Tessa Thompson is amazing. Everybody in the movie is so good, and it's, if you're a fan of Rocky Four specifically, the juxtaposition in the way that these two films, sorry, this is going to nerd out a little bit. <laughs> the way, th- the juxtaposition in the way these two films treated Russian politics was actually really fascinating. So, mm. in the first, in Rocky Four, which is, this is basically a sequel to Rocky Four. You know, it's Russia uses science, and uh, because they don't have heart, they're destined to eventually lose because heart conquers science, and <laughs> America has heart, and Russia is a cold, heartless, you know, monster country. Um, mm-hmm. Where in this one, it was interesting, they, they sort of, they didn't really do as much political stuff in this one, um, I think, because they rightly chose to, you know, not stoke the fires of the time <laughs> but the russian the russian scenes are, are really good they're you know in in bombed out broken buildings running through empty cities but then there's you know an opulent dinner with you know politicians and oligarchs and um i i, I really appreciated the the change in commentary from i mean there was almost like there was no commentary it was sort of um you know Russians, they're just like us, which I I think is a great message for this <laughs> day and age where everyone hates Russia for maybe not, not great reasons. So I, 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 I loved it. I mean, and that's even apart from Michael B. Jordan being a really good actor, um, Tess Thompson obviously being amazing. I just, yeah, go see Creed 2 if you haven't. It's, it's totally worth it. Awesome. Yeah, I need to see... That I saw the first one and really liked it. And actually, I've never seen a Rocky movie. What? No. Okay, actually, I shouldn't shouldn't react that way. Rocky movies are god-awful. I mean, (laughs) they are truly just not good. But if you like to see large men punch each other in the face... I do. It's fun. (laughs) Um, If you see any of them, see Rocky IV. Uh, You don't need to know any backstory. Just uh, all you need to know is Rocky's a boxer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would I would recommend watching Rocky IV, uh, especially for things like the way they decorated boxing arena in the Russia scenes. It's, I mean, hammer and sickle beauty everywhere. Just, <laughs> I I wanted to actually I meant to look up where you can buy those props because it was oh it's just great. I love it. Love the love the way they did that in Rocky IV. And the montages. You love a good montage. I love a good yeah, montage. Yeah, the, uh, actually, oh, that was another really good thing about Creed 2. The montages were amazing. Um, but the, the, the exercise montages in, in Rocky 4 are him, like, helping. So he's training in Russia. Of course, there's snow everywhere. Um, a guy, like, knocks his ox cart over and he has to help him pick up the ox cart. And, you know, <laughs> like, it's just, it's great. It's just fantastic. 
I don't love sports, but I love sports yeah. movies. So yeah, yeah, it's, those are those are good. Two good ones. I I don't know. I hope they're making a third, but the not to again not to spoil anything, but the what it always comes down to with Rocky movies is. Are you going to keep boxing and kill yourself, or are you going to stop boxing and pay attention to your family? Hmm. So the, that was what was very unique about the... Uh, I hate when people say very unique. That was what was unique about the first <laughs> Creed movie, was that was that wasn't really the case. They actually set up the story to be like, in this situation, boxing is your family, right? You're, you're, right. You need to avenge your... Not avenge your father, but um, take up your father's name, whatever. In the second one, they they've now fallen into this... Yes, you want to avenge your father's death, but also now you have this family. Like, what are you going to do? So if that, I'm trying to, I don't know what they could do for the third one, but I I hope it's something not typical. All right. What else have I watched? I watched Cam. Have you? No, is that, that sounds like a horror movie with cameras. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Specifically, a cam girl. Oh, okay. It's with uh, Madeline Brewer from Handmaid's Tale and Orange is the New Black. I have never seen a single moment of Orange is the New Black. Really? That's not true. I think I watched the first 30 seconds and I was like, oh my god, this bitch is so (laughs) annoying. Get me out of here. So, no, I never, never went for this. Well, she's the girl with no, with one eye in Handmaid's Tale. Oh, I, I do like that actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's a cam girl, and it's sort of chronicling her, I guess, ascent as you get more people donating to you and things. There's like there's like a, a chart, and she's trying to get like break the top ten on this site. And then one day she realizes she can't log into her account anymore, and someone has hijacked it, but the person looks exactly like her. Whoa, freaky. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I want to watch that. It's really good. I thought it was really well done. She does a fantastic job, and it's just like this really interesting look at like how online we are yes. i mean whether whether it's sex work or just like streaming video games like it just like how you have to like cater to your audience and the things you have to do to get more popular and how you have to be like on all the time and always willing to like entertain people and come up with more and more ridiculous extreme things to do on camera in order to gain an audience and that's so that's fascinating because i remember reading a vice article this year about about women who work on cam and how and it was sort of a similar message so i wonder it'd be funny if they had read had read that article but yeah that sounds totally awesome actually and that's a good segue into talking about how freaking amazing the last two years of horror movies have been i oh, yeah yeah like thank goodness i and i'm so you know i'm so happy because it's my favorite genre so it's yeah i've just been so thankful that that's been a resurgence of that art art form. Although I know there's some correlation between like the rise of fascism and um, the quality <laughs> of horror movies. And mm-hmm. also I actually found out that there's also a correlation between the rise of fascism and people getting into true crime, which oh, is also yeah. like a huge thing. So um, maybe not <laughs> the sign of the times, <laughs> but I am happy for the art. Like, I, I don't know if you saw, I really want everyone to see Hereditary which was absolutely the scariest movie I've ever seen, uh, bar none. I, I couldn't sleep for a week after I saw that. And if you like Toni Collette, she's just, 
a powerhouse in that film. That's what I really like about horror movies, right? Is they they push people to uh, act really out of the ordinary because you know when would you you have very few chances in your real life or in other films to act horrified, for example. And mm-hmm. she just does such such a good job. Ah, oh, I love Tony Collette so much. She's so <laughs> great. But yeah, Hereditary was was really good. Just terrifying. If you want to be scared, it's a good one. It looks really intense, like slow it's, burning. It is super intense. intense yeah. <laughs> what did so? I didn't see a quiet place, but I I know that's that's been on everyone's top list, and you have it on your list here. So yeah, I actually did a double feature the other day. I did a a quiet place and Bird Box just because they look like the same movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so a quiet place. It was interesting because, like, for the first, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes, it's completely silent. Like, I can only imagine what it would have been like watching it in a movie theater. So, with- yeah, that's a... So, sorry, I didn't, I didn't no, go ahead. interrupt you. That's what I... <laughs> when I... Um, all the movie podcasts I listened to, they were saying, uh, you know, there was... So, there's four hosts of We Hate Movies, which is the one I listened to the most. And they... Two of them saw it in a theater that was quiet. And two of them saw it in a theater where people were, like, crunching and talking and and the two guys who saw in the quiet theater were like this the first whatever opening was like the greatest experience i've had in a theater in my life and the Mm -hmm. other two were like i hate this i hate everything about this i hate that i can hear everyone i hate (laughs) you know so i think it was very um it it definitely changed your your uh experience of the film depending on on what theater you saw it in and when (laughs) I don't know. I like like I thought that the the silence was effective. I just watched it in my home, but um I thought that a lot of the characters made bad decisions. Oh no, that's too bad. And there was also this thing so it's a man and a wife and they're two kids, a boy and a girl. And like the man and the boy are always like going and doing things and like the woman has to stay at home. No. Like literally barefoot and pregnant and the no. little girl who is deaf and knows sign language which comes into it and how they communicate with each other um like have to stay home and like there's some like narrative reasons i guess that uh-huh. are given for there it there always it's, is it's just like uh like come on <laughs> wow i didn't know that that's I, so i haven't seen it i'm it's on my list of things to watch but that's uh that's a bit annoying yeah so. Yeah, I guess that is problem with horror movies, right? Is even though they're quite good right now, and we we're all super excited, and most of them have a history of of you know stereotypical narrative choices, mm-hmm. like last woman alive, girl escapes half naked, um, you know, mm-hmm. wife stays at home, man goes fight zombies. So I guess you know, hopefully, I mean, Jordan Peele's a great example of like that's. That's exactly what he's making horror movies to not be about. Yeah. I'm so have you seen this trailer for us? Yeah. (laughs) So much hype. I'm so excited. Can't wait for that one. All right. Any other movies? The last uh, horror movie that I wanted to mention was Halloween, the new Halloween reboot. Um, Mm. If if you if anyone has seen not seen that, um, so they retconned the rest of the movies. and just made this to be the sequel to the first one. Mm-hmm. And so so what I did this Halloween is I, I attempted, I failed miserably, but I attempted to watch 30 horror movies in the month of October. Um, I think I got to around 17, because uh, I'm just tired and dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Can't watch movies every day. Um, I did, I, that's a pretty good effort for me. I think so. 
but thank you. <laughs> um, and I watched some really good ones, watched some really bad ones, but what I did watch for the first time ever was the first Halloween film, and I freaking loved it. It was so goddamn good, and I just was, I went nuts over it. It's has some amazing shots. I can see why it's like such a classic. And Halloween, the reboot, there were some good, I don't know, there were a few good shots, but it just, what was so good about the first Halloween is the camera lingered on things for so long and it, and it, you're like, what am I supposed to be looking at? What am I, what am I supposed to know about what's going on? Like, this is so horrifying. What am I, you know, what's, why are we looking at this child in a clown suit for 10 minutes? Well, it feels like 10 minutes, (laughs) but the Halloween and the way movies are made now is that there are very few long shots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shots are short, cut, jump, whatever. Uh, and I think it, while the movie itself was good, I think the visual change really w- did it a disservice. And I wish it had had been a little more like the first one in terms of cinematography. But I will say I love the story. Um, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. She's She was really great in it. Uh, and I hope I hope they make more movies with her because, or with more Halloween movies with her because she was funny. And if you're, uh, if you're somewhat entertained by the prepper mindset, she she sort of becomes a a prepper. <laughs> oh. the, the, but yeah, totally totally worth watching for sure. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen the original Halloween either. Actually, the only Halloween I saw was H two O. Oh no, that's, that's literally the worst one. Don't, is it? Oh, yeah. Don't don't do that to yourself. I don't know. All I really know is like it. Halloween is like the best theme song. Oh yeah, basically ever. And H two O like did like an electronic version of it, which I really liked. <laughs> okay, so one one of the best things about the new Halloween is they use the same uh, pumpkin like opening sequence as the first one, and just the same music and oh that theme song is great wow yeah you you should watch the new one i think you'd like it i think you'd like the well, and the original mm-hmm. for sure yeah h2o was that the one with kelly Rowland? uh ll cool j was in it i don't oh, know yes that's right oh yeah that yes that is actually one of the worst ones oh yeah, okay. for sure <laughs> yeah and we saw a lot of good movies this year yeah the two of us mm-hmm. yeah all right, let's go on to TV. I watched a lot of TV this year. <laughs> um, me too, actually. I w- it's funny when I was trying to make the list, I I surprised myself and and when I realized how many how many films I'd watched or uh, TV shows I'd watched. But so I see you have two on your, your the first two on your list here are maybe my two current what I consider to be two of the best TV shows ever made. So mm. you should start with those. All right, so let's start with Sharp Objects, based off the Gillian Flynn novel of the same name. It's with Amy... Amy Adams. Adams, there we go. Yep. Amy Adams, and she plays a, an alcoholic reporter who goes back to her hometown and overbearing southern stuffy mother and to look at a couple of murders two young girls have been murdered and sort of just like all of the past kind of comes flooding back and just it's sort of about how her character deals with that while at the same time investigating these murders so uh for me what was great about that show is so i have to admit that i've never i have not to to mount horn i have four post-secondary degrees and i've never taken an english class ever in my (laughs) life 
Um, so I didn't know what's what the term Southern Southern Gothic meant. Mm. Um, and then I saw, so I started watching that show. I became instantly obsessed with the atmosphere, mm-hmm. and I sort of started reading about it. And someone referred to it as Southern Gothic, and I, to- number one, totally agree. Uh, and number two, became sort of fascinated that this sort of old genre uh, was made so so perfectly in a new setting, which is sort of the hot, wet, sticky in terms of both the weather and the feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I just was so fascinated by how, how well that show captured that aesthetic. It's just so good. Yeah. It just like, you could feel it yeah. being there. Uh, just like the oppressive, like heat and yep. humidity. And yeah, I thought it was great. And everyone did such a good job. Like Amy Adams and, um, her mother did fantastic. I think she won a Golden Globe for right. her performance. And then even her little sister. Yeah, she was amazing. She, she was fantastic, yeah. Oh, Patricia Clarkson played her. Patricia Clarkson, yes. Yeah. Um, and Chris Messina, the love of my life, I, I am <laughs> obsessed with him. Like, I think he's just such a great actor. I thought he did he did so well, too. Yes. Yeah, it was it was a fantastic show. And, you know, it's... It's funny when I when I think about a show I like and I know everyone I mostly everyone's agrees with me that I've talked to about it, but the the but I remember one person just being like, "Well, I hated it," and then what? And I know I don't remember who it was, but I'm like upset that someone would not like that show, which is bad. That I'm getting into like fandom mindset yeah. where I care what other people <laughs> think about a, a particular piece of art, but yeah, I, I thought this show was almost perfect. No, like yeah. pitch, almost totally perfect. Yeah, yeah. I've heard people call it slow, and I was like, I was hooked 100 percent of the too. time like i never felt like it was wasting time yeah i thought i just thought it was great and i loved the color saturation of um, mm. however they shot it was uh it, it looked like you were it felt like you were looking at an old oil painting to me um yeah i just i thought the colors were were just masterful for sure so the other one is big little lies mm-hmm and I didn't know anything about this. Apparently, this is based on a book as well. But it's about a group of women. It mainly focuses on three women in, are they in California? I think they're in California somewhere. And it's funny because I like, I don't know how to summarize this show. Like, if you ask me, what is this show about? Um, like, Yeah, I, I don't, <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Um, <laughs> I think it's about the secrets rich people have uh and <laughs> yeah i thought it was mostly a commentary on like privilege um mm-hmm. so i that's what i've always that's what i've associated with but yeah secrets in a in a small community i guess would be the easy summary maybe yeah um, yeah at the beginning you find out that someone has died but you don't know who and you don't know how and it sort of unravels that but like that's not the most important part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I love that show. I, I I love the way that there's something about watching just people who are really good at acting dialogue, uh, because that's all the show is, is people talking, right? There's no, there's not a lot of action. Uh, it's mostly just watching people interact with each other and, and sort of uh, those little microcosms of relationships. Um, and I, I find, I found that they did a great job of the acting in those situations for sure. I love Nicole Kidman in this. She's just fantastic. And she's 
gorgeous. Like, mm-hmm. if I ever need to have work done, <laughs> Find I her want doctor. her person to do it. Like, <laughs> it, You know, it's so funny watching her act in something like this because it, uh, it, it makes me think about what her relationship with Tom Cruise must have been like, <laughs> which oh, I yeah. know is because imagine, I don't know, it's, I don't want to be too negative, but I imagine she probably had to keep a lot of secrets from him and it, it, it must've been quite difficult for her. So or not difficult, but it was, it must've been quite the experience. And so when I see this, when I watched the show, I thought to myself, this is maybe a little reflective of, of that. Yeah, I thought, yeah, her, yeah, her part was like the most mm-hmm. compelling to me. And I thought she did fantastic. And her husband is played by Alexander Skarsgård, who, mm-hmm. you know, you're used to being like, kind of heartthrobby, but like, Oof. the depth of my hatred for him in this yes. show. Yes. Like, <laughs> God, what a scumbag. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So... And I forgot that, so I think one of the reasons this show is so successful and so good is David E. Kelly is the showrunner, um, and sort of, I think, the main, you know, person who runs things on the show, obviously. Mm-hmm. And and he has has a really good history of, with TV, so he was... Do you remember a show back in the 90s called Picket Fences? Um, I, I feel like this know is a, of it. I yeah, don't know it. Yeah, it's a... It was a great show, and it, it made me fall in love with David E. Kelly as a as a director, producer, writer, person. So, didn't he the, do Ally McBeal? He did do Ally McBeal, which I have to admit, I loved that show. I loved it too. Okay, good. <laughs> it, you know, that's one of those things where I think a lot of women love that show, but they're they're. It's probably one of those things where we, people might be um, judgy, judgy about it, or or like loath to admit that they enjoyed it. But mm. I I will admit that I love that show. All right, what other shows for you? So I realized that almost everything I watched was like second and third seasons of things. So I guess nothing really new, but obviously like Handmaid's Tale, I think is currently the show that I am most affected by. And and, and it's hard to say that you enjoy that show <laughs> because yeah. it's not particularly fun or enjoyable to watch, um, but it's definitely, um, I find it heart-wrenching. And in fact, I was inspired finally after... Um, lying about having read it in uh, in high school. <laughs> um, I think we were supposed to read it for class, and I just never did. But I finally read the book, mm. and uh, I I love how now I love the show even more now. I think they're doing a really good job. I think so too. I was somewhat concerned, like when mm-hmm. they announced there was going to be a second season. Like, what are they going to do with it? This hasn't been written yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that they did a good job with it i really hope that as it goes it you know you see the bad people get taken down (laughs) like i really hope that's where it's eventually going because in the book you the book takes place you know that this was in the past like this has Mm -hmm. stopped you're looking back on it through i think audio diaries tapes yeah tapes yeah so i hope it gets there and, Um, and we see it happen so i kind of disagree okay. i i think i mean i do sort of like the moments of hope that that show gives me but if they're gonna be real about things i think the message has to be bad people don't get their comeuppance <laughs> which mm. like is so depressing but i i i mean that's i don't know it's that's reality and i don't know how it could be really any other way i don't know what i like about the show is how realistic it feels um the the heartache and the the pain of 
I, I mean, I don't want to say oppression, but um, the parallels between their overt and extreme oppression and the stuff that I feel every day in terms of like women's oppression, I guess, um, mm-hmm. is is amazing. Like, I, I think they make, you know, things that seem really fantastical, very relatable. Um, and so I'm worried that if they just suddenly are like, everyone's going to jail who was bad. Gilead is over. I'll be like, well, that's not happening. <laughs> so, I, I mean, know. I don't think it'll happen like that. Like, I feel like there would be a couple scapegoats, not the right word, because they're all guilty, but like a couple yeah. people that get made a show of being punished gotcha. and then the rest of them just kind of get to live their lives. Very good point. Yeah, that's totally a possibility um, and would be feel more realistic, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. So the only thing I'm concerned about with that show is, is they, not with the show, but okay. So having read the book finally, um, at the end of the book, and I don't know if Margaret Atwood did this on purpose, uh, and I don't, I'm not, don't want to. It's not really. I'm not spoiling a book because it was written in the 70s or whatever. So go read the book. But <laughs> there's a there's sort of a throwaway line from one of the scholars at this, you know, Gilead conference or Gilead studies conference. Where he says, the speaker says, we can't judge these people to our standards. This was the past. And it r- kind of ruined the whole message for me. <laughs> mm. um, and I really hope that they avoid that kind of thing. Um, that's that's the only thing I really hope that does not happen. Is like, you know, absolving all these folks for their bad deeds. Uh, right. in, a, in a way that's like, well, you can't judge people for enslaving a whole class of women. I'm like, well, actually, you can. <laughs> so <laughs> let's judge them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Another thing I just watched recently was Killing Eve. So on your on your tweeting about it, I've been like, it's it's the next thing I'm watching for sure. Awesome. Yeah. So I'll just talk about it a little because maybe we can talk about it later. But it's so good. I I'm so happy that we have these characters in Eve and um, Villanelle. It's just like, so Eve is working for some government agency and people are getting assassinated and she's sort of going after this assassin. And the assassin, we learn, is this woman called Villanelle and she's young and she's beautiful and it's just a cat and mouse kind of chase as this as this investigation is happening. And the thing that struck me was that it's the first time I feel where they've made a woman character who's kind of like could be compared to something like Hannibal, like the new Hannibal Ooh, from the show, cool. where it's like, yeah, they're a complete psychopath murderer, but like I'd still date them. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Like that kind of like just so charismatic and like funny and like oh she she's amazing i loved her in this so much and then sandra oh obviously does a great job but i yeah that's really funny because i think i think a lot of villains are actually female villains are actually made that way but they're they're made for the male gaze i think Mm -hmm. uh like sexy Catwoman or like whatever but it's it's uh it's interesting to hear, I mean, the female gaze is certainly a thing, and mm-hmm. and it's it's good to hear, finally, that maybe we'll get some objectification on the other end. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's definitely not male gazy. Like it's not like That's she's awesome. this like yeah. sex pot. It's it's just she's like charming and like funny and like oh, I just love her. <laughs> I, I yeah, I definitely definitely gotta watch it for sure. Uh, I I neglected to put this on my list, but I see that you also watched a series of unfortunate events, and I'd be I feel like knowing you as I I think I know you pretty well. I would assume that you would absolutely hate that show, so I'm I'm curious to know what you what you thought of it. Really? Why would you think I would hate it? I don't know. It just seems so like goofy and stupid uh, for you. I, I consider you a serious woman. <laughs> so I uh, but maybe I'm wrong about that I I don't know, I just I never we never really talked about kids mm-hmm. shows you liked and and it's sort of even though it's not really a kids show it it sort of styles itself as one. Mm-hmm. So I'd be I'm curious to hear your thoughts i actually really liked it yes okay the aesthetic of it is really good someone just brought to my attention i think on twitter that it's the i don't know the design or the cinematography i don't remember is like done by the same people who did like the adams family movie oh yeah and like Mm -hmm. it's just like really really stylish and it reminds me of the way of a the book the phantom toll booth yes are you like yeah. with like all the like wordplay mm-hmm. and stuff in it, which I really enjoyed. Okay, wow! Yeah. I feel like I learned something new about you today. That's, that's <laughs> exciting. Um, and I w- would say if you haven't read the books of a series of unfortunate events, I would would highly recommend that. I loved I love those books. I always wanted to read those because they were out when I was working at Chapters, and mm-hmm. like Harry Potter was the thing. Like they were definitely got a little bit overshadowed by yeah the harry potter books but i always like looked at them and there were always these like these cute little yep. hardcovers with these yeah. great illustrations on the front and yeah, yeah i love them i um i unfortunately when i moved here i sold my entire set um uh. which is really stupid but yeah they're great they're great books and and it's funny because uh so there was a movie of that series and the movie was just heinously bad <laughs> but the the TV show at least goes in with the wordplay, but the wordplay it's almost like having a different experience hearing it versus reading it. Um, so I kind of like that about about the the experience of both reading the books and uh, and watching the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I liked it a lot, and it's funny. It's one of the situations where I didn't hate the kid actors. Uh, which, yeah, which happens yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, I liked I liked the kids a lot. Mm-hmm. And Sunny was super cute. So cute. <laughs> Even though it wasn't an actual baby voice, it was Tara Strong. Who Which is did... really funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What else? Oh, The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, so what did, what did you think of that? I really liked it up until the end. Me too. And so I hadn't read uh, the uh, Shirley Jackson book in mm-hmm. like... I think I read it when I was like 11, like a really long time ago. And so I had to have uh, a friend of mine remind me what the difference was between the ending of the book and ha- and how they totally changed it. And I was like, wow, that is horrible. <laughs> like mm. the ending of the book sounds so much better. And I and I can't believe they felt like they needed a happy ending. Oh, sorry. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just, whew. Yeah. Were you, did that show scare you? No, 
I was oh, really? actually surprised because I was like the first episode I was, you know, kind of watching it between my fingers because I was like afraid it was going to scare me. But then as it went on, I wasn't scared at all. Wow. I got more and more scared as that show went on. Oh, um, uh, really? <laughs> there, There's a scene where they're driving up to the house and something scary happens in the car mm. and i i actually peed a little bit i was like <laughs> okay that's the end of that <laughs> i think i turned it off for the day uh, yeah. i do remember that one that was scary <laughs> but yeah i i thought it was it was scary it was scary and the the ending was so disappointing in that what i liked about that show is that they didn't feel the need to sort of have everyone be in every episode and have Every single story wrapped up neatly. I, I really liked how you, you got pieces of everyone's story um, mm-hmm. sort of piecemeal. But then at the end, I, I was like, oh, I guess we're now just going to, you know, have a big reveal and have that be the end and, and everyone's wrapped up. And I just was like, well, this isn't what was that interesting for me about this show. Exactly. Yeah, it was best when it was like a, a character study yeah. like when it was character based and then at the end it sort of was like okay here's how we wrap up the plot and i was like oh yeah for no. sure mm-hmm. so yeah because the episodes on some of the characters in particular were just like i don't know they were great my for me my favorite was was steven um i don't know how to pronounce this actor's name michael Husman, i think um he is is to me one of the best actors of our of this current generation and no one knows about him he's like so unknown but he um he played dario on game of thrones uh and also he played a character in treme um who i think is the best character on that show and i highly highly recommend if you have not seen treme which was um an hbo show about post uh post katrina new orleans um Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, I fell in love with him back then, and that was, like, 2010. He's just, ah, oh, he's so good. He's such oh, a, yeah. He was also in um, The Invitation. Yes, that's right. Correct, yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, yeah. it's so funny. That's a, I'm so glad that we both watched that movie, because I feel like no one else in this world watched it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I it's, a, it's a very, so pretty unpopular <laughs> film, but I, but I, yeah. Take a chance on The Invitation if you haven't seen it. It's fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Actually, The Invitation and Big Little Lies are, I think, similar. Um, they have sort of a similar feel to me. Yeah. Where, where like, you know something creepy is going on. You don't really know what it is. Ugh. Now I have the <laughs> shivers. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else for TV for you? I think that's pretty much it. Everything else, I, I think, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't watch a lot of new TV. I don't, I, I find it really hard to get into TV shows that are new. Um, mm-hmm. I like to have the whole season available to me. So I don't really watch new TV that comes out, which is not good. Um, actually, I just want to ask, what did you think of Wild Wild Country? Oh, so I love the way that documentary was made. I thought it was fascinating. And I I like that they didn't villainize the um, cult in the documentary. Um, but then afterwards, I was like, hey, <clears throat> so the only thing they didn't really talk about in this documentary was what the cult actually believes. They, mm-hmm. they didn't ever cover you know, their belief system. And I found out they're just kind of like shitty libertarians. Um, oh. <laughs> so I was like, well, maybe we should have villainized this cult a little more. They did try to poison a whole town. Yeah. <laughs> so the characters were obviously, I'm characters, the people involved obviously were absolutely fascinating. And I appreciated that the documentary made it clear that like being racist towards people 
because they're different or whatever is not okay. Mm-hmm. But hating people because they try to poison you is okay. Is okay. Like, yeah. Okay, great. I'm, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I watched a few episodes of it, but I just found like something was missing. Like I, I was like, okay, what are these people doing? Like exactly like what do they believe in like yeah what is it they're i mean before the poisoning what is it they're doing that is bad like i didn't right i felt like that whole thing to like draw me into it was just absent and and i think it relies that this misstep maybe relies on the fact that um if you know a lot about cults uh the main thrust is to provide a male leader with sexually available people Mm-hmm. And that's what was happening in that cult, but they didn't really mention that as like the bad part. <laughs> but it it is a bad part. It's bad that that cult leaders do that all the time. And yeah. um, you know, they sort of made light of his things. You know, things like he collected seventy five Rolls Royces. Well, mm-hmm. like if if you want to have like a nice microcosm of like libertarian capitalism, that. That's what's bad about that cult. They made one person very, very rich where everyone else had to sleep in the dirt. Like, yeah. That's bad. <laughs> and the, yeah, the documentary totally did not cover that at all. Like, like not in any any way that would make sense. Yeah. 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 I feel like it, it just glossed over the actual cult aspects of it. Like, even the leader... Mm-hmm. He didn't seem to even be there that often. So, like, the whole sex thing didn't even, yeah, like, cross right. my mind, really. Like, it seemed much more about the the woman who was, like, the second in command. Right. And, and so she – I mean, very obviously she is a cultist, which is a yeah. problem. Um, but she – because she was, like, this outspoken weirdo, was certainly villainized much more than the actual person – who was the cult leader? Yeah, and and that it, or at least in the documentary, I'm sure in real life he suffered, you know, great consequences or whatever. But yeah, it it was more about characters uh, than it was about the actual cult information. Right. Yeah. The other part is that they did not cover is like the history of white supremacy in Oregon, uh, which if if y'all don't know much about that, I highly recommend looking it up. Which would have been an interesting interesting facet i think to um to have included but yeah they they definitely missed out on a lot of stuff i don't feel too bad about not watching the last no, yeah. couple episodes you're, you're, you're good <laughs> all right any game talk you want to um, have i'm finally quit world of warcraft yay i'm free i'm free baby <laughs> It's I was having this discussion with a friend the other day. I, I thought it was going to be hard. I thought I was like, oh, I'm going to miss all my friends and everything's going to be terrible. Nope, don't care. It's mm-hmm. it's like, I'm free, I'm done. Like, I play casually now once in a while and like, it's fine and I don't care. And <laughs> it's great. Um, it's nice to not have a second job, basically, which is yeah. what that game really ends up being in terms of hours a week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm kind of like a late starter in life. I, I finally have my first real job at age 36 so i don't know how anyone plays that game and has a full-time job like it's it's too much so i'm mm-hmm. free I'm free feels good and it's not like i filled my time with anything particularly exciting but um yeah it's just nice to be able to get up from the computer when you want to yeah 
enough. The only other game I've really played this year that's new-ish uh, is Path of Exile, and and we just because we just can't we're in a new league or whatever. I'm I'm sort of thinking about it a lot. If you have not played Path of Exile, listeners of Media Mavens, give it a whirl. If you are someone who likes games that are super complicated and you have to read an encyclopedia before you can even take one step in the game, this game is for you. <laughs> um, which I know sounds terrible and no one, <laughs> no one actually so i like that kind of game i was i i like having to pre-plan uh before you you even know what you're getting to so um it's an action rpg it's free to play it takes place in like haunted australia uh oh. and it's oh it's just crazy it's there's so many so much so if you like d2 this is the premises everyone who likes who liked d2 which i never played really likes path of exile so um, give it a whirl if you haven't. So it's another MMO? No, uh, it's an ARPG. Oh. Diab- Diablo 2? That- oh, like Diablo, okay. Yeah, sorry. I was like, am I saying words that are right? <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, apparently it's a lot like D2 in terms of um, like difficulty and how complicated it is. And hmm. and it's also really hard. Uh, like, if you don't know what you're doing, you will die and want to quit. <laughs> like, it's a hard game. So, yeah, I I just... I like it. It's one of those games where if you put effort into it and you learn to be good at it, it's quite rewarding. So, highly recommend. The only thing that's, I mean, my only major issue is that grouping in the game is not very good. So, if you like to play games by yourself, which I know <laughs> is, I've heard is a recent complaint about video games, is people are like, I just want to play video games alone. I don't <laughs> want to have to play in a group. I don't want to play online. I don't want to PvP. I just want to be by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a good game for you. Excellent. Yeah. That's that's about it for me on games. Uh, I'm going to recommend everyone watch your favorite games of 2018 video. Thank you. Yeah, that was a good one. I've uh, it's funny because you know I don't actually play that many video games, even though I think I'm playing video games all the time. Um, <laughs> but I love your channel. I love your YouTube channel. So that's my other game news of the year. Is I watched a lot more Cannot Be Tamed in 2018. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, games I don't even know what they are. I've been watching your <laughs> videos about so. Check it out if you haven't watched her YouTube channel. It's a good one. Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to say about games. I feel like that video kind of covers my favorites of the year. So you didn't want to talk about esports? Well, so it's funny. I was I, I don't actually. So the problem is I'm not sure I'm the right person to have this opinion. But I think <laughs> I just want everyone to just stop caring about esports. It's over. Oh. Just get over <laughs> it. I, I think it's we're done. Just it's too many problems. Stop it. It's never going to be real. Just just quit esports. (laughs) All right. That's it. That's my (laughs) cynical 2018 opinion on esports. You heard it on Media Mavens first. That's right. Stop caring about esports. It's funny. The next video I'm making is a game that was made specifically for a competition. Oh, that's interesting. In um, 1992 in Japan. So... I got to me th- to thinking about like the contests that used to happen like that. Like mm-hmm. there was Nintendo had like yeah. the Nintendo World Championships and they had like college championships and things like that. And I'm thinking about sort of the modern equivalent being things like esports or like games done quick. You know, there's not like I don't know if there's anything like that that big now that's happening. Yeah, or maybe so I just don't care. <laughs> I, don't I, I think I think the misstep is, at least from an outsider's perspective, and again, I'm no expert, so please refer to your local esports experts for more opinions. 
But I, I think mo- trying to model themselves after major sports leagues was a huge mistake. Um, mm. It's I think it's done a disservice and, and in the long run will serve as the downfall of esports. Because um, it's just, it's never going to be that way because your players are teens. <laughs> so yeah. they just, they cannot behave or, and then like no fault of their own, um, but they, they're just not ever going to be able to conduct themselves in a way that would i mean not that major league sports players are any better but (laughs) they at least can like not say the n-word on a weekly basis Mm -hmm. on stream (laughs) like i don't know i just i feel like that they they're trying to go for the respectability angle and the and the seriousness angle and the big money angle and i think they just totally miss the mark um those those small competitions like nintendo um, not small, but like small in terms of one game, one time, mm-hmm. um, I think is a way better way to go. The problem, it's like my usual refrain, the problem with capitalism is that that just doesn't make as much money as you becoming, you know, fans becoming big fans of a particular person and then, you know, having merch and stuff. And- yeah, exactly. So. The angle just wasn't, it's just not the right thing. So it needs either forget about esports, give it up, or or start, you know, completely new. Right. Yep. And I and that's and I'm the expert. No, I. I'm. <laughs> the thing is, like I I used to watch League of Legends. I used to watch LCS, and it I just can't do it anymore. It's they're just yeah, totally not interested in in any of it anymore. And it I feel like that's I don't know. I just see a lot of dissatisfaction with esports, and I think I think they've just made so many mistakes. Yeah, I find the bigger things get, the less interested I am. Like the only real esports I ever watched was Overwatch, mm-hmm. and it's just like because they modeled it after sports teams and had schedules like yeah. almost akin to baseball teams. It was just like so much content content yeah and now they've added four new teams and it's just going to be so much more content Mm -hmm. but it'll always still be like nine hours of matches in a row as opposed to like a scheduled match right like i want to see toronto play tell me what time to turn on my tv nope where it's like oh well the first one's not over the next one started or like i just i don't know yeah the bigger it gets the more overwhelming it gets, which I also feel about the games, like Hots or Overwatch. Like, stop adding characters. Just, it's fine how it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's all too much. Yeah, I, I'm gonna do a radio segue here. So I would agree. When things get too big, I get totally uninterested, which has been a um, a pro- problem for me recently with listening to podcasts. Mm. <laughs> so if you want to talk about podcasts. Yeah, I so when you uh, on the show notes here when you had listed true crime podcasts, I was like, yeah. So I use I'm a I'm a my favorite murder and last podcast on the left listener, and I find that when podcasts get huge, and actually this is happening with Chapo too, I think you know now they're they're all sponsored and they all have networks and they all write books, and their mm-hmm. actual show sucks now, and mm-hmm. I just have no interest in listening to them anymore, and I. I hate to be like my teenage self who would, who was like, that band sold out and I don't like them anymore. But that's, that's how it feels now with, with bigger podcasts. Um, and I don't like it. I totally get that. 
Because, like, when I find a podcast I like, I'll often go right back to the start yeah, and start yeah. listening. So I recent, just recently found this podcast called Wine and Crime. And I should have known based on the fact that I heard about it on an ad on another <laughs> podcast, which had a very extensive famous cast that they had now, you know, kind of hit it big. But I listened to the first few episodes and it was good and, like, on episode six or something, they opened a Patreon. And so, like, I went to their Patreon and, like, they make $6,000 an episode now. And I was like, oh, like, on the one hand, good good for them. But on the other hand, it, like, almost makes me less interested in listening to it. Yeah. No, and and I'm – it's hard because I'm very happy for people to make money off Oh, yeah, me media too. Media and art. Um, but it's – yeah, it's once you get into, like, now we're – we have a fan club that you have to pay for – now we have a book deal with, you know, Random House, mm-hmm. um, and 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 it's, and I don't mean that they're that they shouldn't sell out. In fact, in this day and age, you, you should, should sell, sell out, out. Yeah. sell the fuck out. <laughs> but uh, it just for some reason it has it coincides directly with the with the deteriorating quality of the original show, and I it's become quite sad for me because I. I really liked my favorite murder. I thought, you know, despite their problematic nature, um, that they at least told the stories in an interesting way. Now they're just dialing it in. They don't give a shit anymore. Um, which hmm. is a shame because I think Karen Kilgareth is one of the funniest people on the planet. I think so. She used to be a writer for Mr. Show. She writes for a lot of different television shows, comedy writing, and does her own comedy. And she is fucking funny. And I, loved listening to a woman over 40 um you know be in the spotlight like that never happens i'm getting old it's really really nice (laughs) um now they just don't give a shit and i it's so depressing yeah yeah it's like i guess with money comes just the need to keep making more of it yep even if you don't want to yeah that's Things can be over. I need everyone to understand this. This is like my esports point. If something's not working and you don't want to do it anymore, just don't do it. (laughs) Like, no one, everyone would rather you be happy than than doing something you clearly no longer want to do. That's that's true. Although being poor probably wouldn't make them happy. True. Very, very true. And and here's the other thing is they're not going anywhere. Like, they've now launched this podcast network and yeah, so they so they used to have, or, sorry, they still have two episodes a week. One episode where they read these true crime stories or read their scripts of true crime stories and, and the other episode was people would write in uh, mm-hmm. and tell them their own. So I've stopped listening to the mini episodes entirely. Um, right. And I don't know. It's coming to the point where I'm probably going to stop listening to the main episodes too, and I'm, I'm sad. Like I just, I don't know. It was so good, and now it's just too much. Yeah. But I did replace it with with um. There were a lot of good, uh, lots of good true crime that I listened to this year for sure. I wanted to really recommend the Canadian true crime podcast, which is called Canadian True Crime, yeah. um, which is actually hosted by an Australian woman who moved here. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but it's, uh, it is so detailed and really just really fascinating. So that's, that's my, um, if you want a, a true crime show hosted by a woman, uh, that's my replacement for my favorite murder. She doesn't do the comedy part. So that was 
that's the thing with my favorite murders there. They do jokes. Right. But this is just good, solid, true crime info. So that's my that's my recommendation. I will subscribe to that. Oh, and there's not a million episodes. That's right. Yet. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I there's sort of I've I went through a lot. Like we had this um thread in the Cartridge Club forums where mostly me and uh my friend Travis talked about true crime. A couple of people other like recommended things. So like I've got went through all these true crime podcasts. A lot of them it was like, Oh yeah, this is good and then like a switch would hit and I'd be like, No, you're bugging me. Unsubscribe. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> So the ones that I have stuck with are criminal, which is cool because it's not like the super dark crime. Like it's not always mm-hmm. murders and assaults. It's just like these strange little stories of you know they could be fraud or something could be someone you know who's in witness protection Mm -hmm. or the story of someone who has streaked at major sports events like 42 times that's awesome (laughs) yeah (laughs) so they're cool just like stories that don't you know make you sad to be alive um and then the other one is small town dicks which is with Yardley Smith. Oh, nice! I did not, did not know they were doing a that they were on a podcast. That's exciting. Yeah, so it's her and Zibby Allen, who's an actress, I think, but I'm not familiar with her. And then two like real life detectives That's who cool. worked in a small town, and so it's the detectives telling the stories of cases that they've worked in their small town, and they go out eventually and like talk to other detectives in other places to like tell the stories of the cases that they investigated. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So some of them have been really good. Um, I, find, I found that season two wasn't as good as season one, but um, it, it was still a really a good one. And then, as I mentioned, Wine and Crime, which I'm only like on episode 20 so far, so like they're still really still good. good. <laughs> it's just three friends from Minnesota, which is like almost Canada. Mm-hmm drinking wine and they pick a topic every time so they've talked about the last one i listened to was catfishing crimes and they've talked awesome. about uh, munchausen's disease and they've talked about uh a lot of things they've talked that an episode on blood splatter they've talked about arson so they just two of them pick a couple interesting cases and they go over them and they get drunk and they're just <laughs> hilarious like i find them really really funny so all right i'll have to check it out the other thing I was thinking of with true crime podcasts is I I've been thinking a lot about what it means. So there's a big article this this year about um, the trouble with true crime. So is it bad to listen to true crime podcasts or mm-hmm. you know be interested in true crime? And it's a fascinating question. You know, it's uh you know are we reveling in other people's suffering or exploiting people or whatever? Mm-hmm. And then my problem that I had this year was. Thinking about what happens when I think a true crime show is bad. And I don't mean bad as in, like, I've gotten annoyed and your show sucks now. But just, like, I don't know. My example would be Up and Vanished, where the first season I found really great and I was super interested. And then the second season I was like, this story's dull. And, like, I felt so bad because I was like, a woman is literally missing and probably deceased. And I'm Mm -hmm. just like, you're, this is boring and I don't want to listen to it. Uh, and so I was sort of grappling with this concept of like, does it make me a bad person? Um, does it make 
the person who's making the show bad because they didn't do enough to, you know, get people interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a really weird sensation, and I, I haven't I haven't totally intellectually dealt with it yet, so I don't have any answers. But um, yeah, just yeah. a just a fascinating thought. It is interesting to think about why we like true crime. I remember on my favorite murder because I listened to a few episodes of that, and basically what they said was that they are afraid of being murdered, and mm-hmm. this is sort of their way of yeah. working it out, like talking through it. And like that's not it for me. Yeah, I don't know what it is. What it is for me either. I think the um, the problem solving aspect is fascinating for me, and um, for me being an information professional, the information gathering and and the way information is used or misused to solve or fuck up a crime uh, mm-hmm. is absolutely fascinating to me, uh, for sure. Yeah. What do you th- What do you think it is for you? I don't know, honestly. Like. I think it's just the spectacle of it. And Fair like enough, yeah. Looking into the darkness and evil that can live mm-hmm. in people. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, maybe doing it that way is exploitative. Especially the podcast with jokes. Like, yeah. I don't know. No, it's it's definitely something to think about. And uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not 100% yet. I'm not, I don't know what the... Why I just I love a good story and and it's because these stories sort of get reified or you know just sort of become such big stories that people mm-hmm. tell them really well um, yeah and I think that's that's sort of like I know we both just read um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark mm-hmm. um, and I love the way that she told that story and and that is one of the most horrific. The East Area Rapists uh, was one of the most horrific stories of all time. Like, I, I just, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just found it fascinating the way she wrote about it and was personally invested in it. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to think on that one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Anything else from 2018 that you did that you want to talk about? Uh, yes. Well, not that I did, but. I would just like to remind everyone the most important thing that happened in 2018 is that the Boston Red Sox won the World Series. So, big year for me, personally. Mm. <laughs> Had it been a while? Uh, no. Uh, no. Just a few years, <laughs> but, you know, okay. it's, it's still it's important to win. That's the whole thing. I guess so. <laughs> I guess it depends what, what team you cheer for. <laughs> I, uh, I finally went out and got it. You know, a week after they won, I went out and got my, finally got a Boston Red Sox tattoo, so. Hmm. That's forever now. <laughs> Everyone likes Boston. My uncle and cousin have Boston Bruins tattoos. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't follow hockey, and I actually don't like the Patriots. I'm one of these weirdos who only likes the Red Sox, but Bruins tattoos, all right. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my that's my other big event, big, big media event in 20, 2018. All right. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I don't really think there's been much else. Um, it was kind of a hard year. Yeah. 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 And uh, a lot of bad stuff happened. There's a lot of good things, but I feel like, I don't know, not doing this for like the past six months, I feel like I like, there's so many things that I could have talked about that they're just like gone now. 
out of my yeah. brain. <laughs> yeah. And that maybe that says something about the media you consumed. That maybe. it wasn't, wasn't so memorable. Or <laughs> that the world is in such a crisis <laughs> that yeah. the things that you remember are not really, uh, they won't stick with you because it wasn't part of, you know, the geopolitical goings on. That's true. You know, it's hard. Actually, the one other thing I wanted to talk about was just the Waypoint podcast, which has just been an absolute joy to listen to. They've sort of expanded out into, they've got their regular twice a week gaming podcast, which they also always have like really interesting and different things to say about games. And then they also do like one where they talk about the other media that they've been liking that week or something and then they've got a a movie podcast that they've started doing so i've really nice gotten a lot of joy listening to those especially their christmas stuff they went over all their best of the year but in a much different format than usual they kind of paired off and talked about their best of lists so that's fun mm-hmm. nice well thanks for having me again it's always a pleasure Thank you for coming on. Yeah. It's been a long time, and I'm happy to get to chat with you. Yeah, and I miss you. Uh, I miss you, in too. In real life. I can't <laughs> wait to come home. <laughs> All right. So, want to tell people where they can find you online? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at O-H-H-H-S-O-U-R-R-Y. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, that is my only really online presence right now. Talk to me about podcasts I should be listening to, especially single season true crime podcasts are my my current go to. So um, mm. please recommend podcasts. I'm always looking for new ones. And you can find me on Twitter at Josila underscore or on YouTube where my channel is called Cannot Be Tamed. And if you've got any feedback or questions, you can reach out at MediaMavensCast at gmail.com or contact us on Twitter at underscore MediaMavens. There's also a forum for discussion of any of our episodes at cartridgeclub.org. And uh, review the show if you like it. We haven't had a new review in a long, long time. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Oh, man. I totally forgot what my exit is. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. What's the outro? For, <laughs> I think it's just thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. <laughs> Let me do that again. <laughs>